Y'all be seated. I hesitate to preach this morning because the sermon was already given. I mean, it was amen, right? Uh, I, um, I'm just fascinated. But since I was given the choice and the chance, <laughs> um, I'll tell you, this is some place. Um, you know, when God chooses to do something, he does it big time. And, um, and it may seem small, but it's big time because every little thing God does is big. And, uh, and I, I think this is, uh, uh, and, and it, I'll tell you, I was worried about what I was going to say this morning. I, I felt like Paul when he went to the Corinthians and said, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm coming to you in fear and trembling. I don't think I ever get up in the pulpit without a certain amount of fear and a, hang on, <laughs> and a trembling. And if, you, if you're not in the fear of the Lord and trembling when you come before God's people, you better be. Because it, it really takes the spirit of the Lord for, the, for people to understand what the Lord wants them to say. One of the little things that happened this morning, Frank Griffin came up to me and handed me this cup. Um, and it's, uh, it's a Norway cup he got from, I guess, from Epcot. And it's got a little flag on it, you know, and, and so on. Well, the whole thing is a confirmation. Little things confirm. You know how little things confirm what you're supposed to do? And you're wondering, should I say this or that? Well, it, uh, it was a confirmation. I got my DNA results recently. <laughs> oh, you know where this is headed, is that right? Okay. I got my DNA results uh, recently, and, and it was uh, kind of interesting. Um, what I suspected all along was true. <laughs> um, most of my bloodline is... Um, Central Norway, okay. Um, I, I got a pin re- not last year from somebody. It's one of those big pins like this that says "100% American, made with 100% Norwegian parts," and I, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's about right, you know. And uh, well, since both my parents were born there, and and that kind of thing. Um, it, you know, for a lot of people, this is important stuff. I mean, they're making millions of people have gone to look for their for their DNA results. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting. I was talking to Charles this morning and he's 110 percent Scotch or Scottish, I should say. <laughs> Anybody else care to reveal their DNA? OK, uh, but, I, you know, it got me to thinking everything physical has a spiritual counterpart. So I'm going to go back to the beginning with Genesis 1-1. Who was in the beginning? Amen. God was in the beginning. So before there was a beginning, there was God. You see, I missed what the scripture says. So that means that everything that is came out of the mind of God. The whole of creation, I mean, I don't care how many millions and billions of light years are out there. That only magnifies who God is. 
You know, so every time you see these science reports say, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, you really went to a lot of trouble to get all this stuff started. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, and so on. So, <laughs> so I think I think we're in the business of amazing people with how important God is. But if God is that important, think about what else he did. He made us in his image. So I want us to keep in mind, uh, I'm going to ask you a question um, that is on one of the TV ads, which is the only reference I'll make to TV. Um, It's one of the T. What's in your wallet? (laughs) Or what's in your wallet? However they do it these days. Well, keep that question in your mind because I won't deal with that until the very end. I... uh, I think that uh, this DNA thing is interesting. I started thinking about DNA. We have a physical DNA, and it goes back so far, you know, a couple of thousand years probably, and I discovered that part of my DNA is not only central Norway, but there are other influences, 1% from the Finnish-Russian area, which would explain why my uh, great-great grandparents who came from Hammerfest, which is the northernmost city in the world. It's up on the top of Norway, and that's on one side of the family. And so on. And then I have some Germanic thing, and I actually am related to Charles. I have 1% Scottish in there. It explains the Viking invasions. It explains that they took people back with them, married, you know, outside, and um, and came home with them. And so the great bulk of my uh, DNA is Norwegian, 85% actually. Um, now, that got me to thinking, do you know we have not only a personal DNA, we have a cultural DNA. We have a, a relational DNA. There's a way we inherit that is the way we relate to people. And, and you know, uh, this, this, this group here, this church, this Unique body of Christ has its, has a DNA in it. It's a Jesus DNA. Now, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But think about it. It's a spiritual DNA in, and that's what brings us together, is, is that we have something in common. I think it's great when you have something in common. You can go back to a, um, a physical place and see your location where your forebears come from. But there's something deeper that it points to. Because ultimately, we have a spiritual DNA. The blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, who gives us an intimate, personal relationship with him. You may have been born uh, an image of God. But when you receive Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. You're an image who has become a child. And being a child of God, we, we have a, a special relationship with the millions of light years creator. <laughs> you see? Now, that gives us an edge up on the world. Because in the world, we have a history. And do you know that there are three kinds of history? There's personal history, relational history, and the most important one, spiritual history. Now, we can learn about 
you know, history in, in the world and so on, secular history. And that's, you know, got a bunch of facts about people in the past and so on. But it's never as accurate as your personal history because you were born and you live a certain and you have an impact in the world in which you live. It may never be recorded. Probably no one here will ever be recorded in a history book. But you're recorded in the book of life. So you have eternal life and you're going to be you go out into the world and the light that he's talking about here in Corinthians in this in the second Corinthians passage. I think it's it's fantastic. He said we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all surpassing power is from God and not from us. And, and it's uh, and, you know, for God said, let light shine out of darkness. That same God said, well, he made us, he made light shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have a spiritual inheritance, a spiritual DNA that begins with our faith. In fact, we got related to the very beginning, the first day. We were in God's mind before we were even born. We were conceived in his mind. That's what the scripture tells us. We were conceived in his mind. And being conceived in his mind means that we have a place in God's mind, his heart and his spirit. We have the mind of God, the heart of Jesus the Son, and the power of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit of God gives us faith to act, to be, to be the light of the world. In fact, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he turns around and says, you are the light of the world. So we've got something going for us that there's a whole raft of people in the world that don't, don't have it at all. Now, so I'd like to talk about Jesus just for a moment and kind of uh, give you a little picture of what I, I see in him. Uh, you know, Jesus is unique. He's the unique Son of God. He's a unique, eternal person in God. He and the Father are one, like he said. Father and I are one. Before Abraham was, I am, he said. So he's identifying himself with the I am. And not only that, but seven times in the Gospel of John, he says, I am. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. As I am the good shepherd. And he keeps saying these things. Seven times he makes these statements that identify him as the I am through whom all creation came into being. You see, we have a spiritual DNA built into us. Now the question is, what happened to so many people when they're born? They were born separated from God. They're born. We were all born separated from God in this world. We were born separate. We, we had to come to know Him. That's why Jesus came into the world so we could be returned, restored, renewed, rebuilt, reshaped in, in God through Jesus Christ. Because in Him we see humanity in its fullness. We see what we were meant to be, what God created the world and, and people in it to become. 
In Jesus Christ, everything that we desire, everything we need, everything that we lack is in Jesus Christ. Everything you need to be a human being is in Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. There's no religion. By the way, when it comes to religion, I don't believe in religion. I want you to say, you can quote me on that. I don't believe in religion. I believe in a relationship with God. It's alive and well. And you and I are going to live forever. We're going to live forever. It's not going to be in this form. It's going to be in a new form, in a glorious form. It's going to be like Jesus who walked through a wall to talk to his disciples after the resurrection. You are going to have a different experience. And that's why he says, you know, that there's a gulf fixed between us and them over here, us over here and, and the people still in the world. No, he says, that's not going to be, it's only through faith in Jesus Christ who delivers us into the kingdom of heaven in the presence of God the Father at the throne where we will kneel one day together and rejoice in his presence. I just, I just think that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. So, I mean, he was unique. Now, if Jesus was unique, now catch this, this is important. That means you're unique. He created to be, to be like Him unique. So that each of us here is personal to God. Now how He does that, I don't know. That's His problem, not mine. But how He does that, it's amazing because Jesus illustrated that point. He illustrated that where He was, that He wanted us to come where He is. So He came so that He could give us this life abundant so that where He is, we may also be with Him. That's what it says in John 14. And, and so we, we have a destiny, folks. We are going to be in the presence of God forever. And Jesus Christ is the proof. His resurrection is the proof. But more importantly for this world, the cross is the proof. He was unique. You ought to glory in your uniqueness. Now, that's not pride. I'm not talking about filling yourself up. Well, look what I did today. I was so good today. Forget that. No one is righteous. No, not one, says Paul tells us right out. And I'm saying he quoted the Old Testament, you know. He said, wait a minute, none righteous. There's only one person who is right, and that's Jesus, you see. When he's right... Do you know that the deepest need we have, really, I mean, yes, we all want to be loved, we want to be cared for, we want to be accepted, which God does. But the deepest need in us is the need to be right. We want to be right wherever, we want to be, we want to be right in the sense of being confident that everywhere we go, we are in the presence of our Savior and Lord and have the power of the Holy Spirit to exercise the uniqueness He's given us. Now, I'm not talking about being a hippie. You know, man, I'm just going to float out there and be an individual. And you cannot. That only leads to more aloneness. But, you know, aloneness, the aloneness we feel in this world, that's an evidence of the sin that separates us from God. But what Jesus came to do was he said, I'm not going to I didn't come to, to so you'd stay orphans. I came to be your savior and Lord to return you so that you know who the father is. You have a real father, an honest to goodness father who loves you and will love you forever. And you will experience that love through me is what he's saying. And the spirit 
The power of the Spirit. We celebrated Pentecost. We're still in Pentecost, kind of this, this period of the Holy Spirit being the presence of the Lord now. You want Jesus in your life. You want your life fulfilled. Jesus is here right now through the power of the Holy Spirit, ready to come into your heart and mind and life. What's in your wallet? I said that before. I just um, We're going to speak to that. Jesus had an attitude. Now, you know, you, when you hear that, that word every once in a while, uh, what do you mean he had an attitude? I mean, usually you say, this person's got an attitude, they, that's kind of negative, isn't it? But it says, Philippians 2, you know, says, Have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but, but, but made himself nothing and entered a human body so that we could experience him as persons, as individuals, as unique individuals who he loves and, 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 and who he wants to dwell with his glory. You know, and I, I use the word attitude now. I, I'm going to change it. You know what he wants to fill us with? He wants to replace those kind of attitudes that we have about people, you know, whether it's prejudice or the first impression we have, you know, when you see somebody, you make an immediate judgment and all that kind of thing. That's attitude, okay? What Jesus does is to come at us with spiritude. Isn't that right? I mean, so instead of having an attitude, let's say you and I, if we're born again, have a spiritude. And so we have a spirit that discerns, we have a spirit that loves, we have a spirit that, that does things through us. We're not in control. In fact, the last thing, you, you want to disobey what the culture says. You want a, you know, a self-help book and you, so you can be in control. Forget the control business. Let the Holy Spirit control you. Now, that brings us to the cross. The cross of Christ showed who Jesus really was. The cross of Christ lifted up Jesus Christ and got, he, you know, he said, you know, about the cross, he said, I want you all to carry your cross. I want you to take up your cross and I want you to follow me. Well, in the first place, that is taking, when you choose faithfully to accept Jesus Christ, you're taking up his cross. You're taking up the cross because now every choice and decision you make is done under the cross, dying to the attitudes and opinions and all the fear that you had before. And you're taking on the person of Christ who stood in the middle of his tormentors and just to do what you want. Give it your best shot, Satan. And Satan took his best shot and lost. Because Jesus rose from the dead. You know, we don't talk enough about Jesus, but we also don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings the Lord Jesus into our hearts, makes himself known, delves into the very depth of us. He uses his word to separate sinew from tendon and you know how that that scripture goes. He, he gets down deep inside and and he he takes the parts of us that we don't like, the, our weaknesses and our pains and our past and everything, and it's crucified. We crucify that stuff and let the Holy Spirit pour the life of Jesus into us. 
You see, this is the whole message of the good news of the gospel. Jesus was unique. He wants us to be unique. He wants us to know that when we walk into the world, we are the light of the world. He wants us to know when we walk in the world, we have the power of God in us. We have the power of forgiveness. We have the power of repentance. We have the power of compassion. We have the power of love. We have the power of forgiveness that enables us to to overcome resentments and overcome the stuff that ties us down. And Jesus comes into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have that power. And I think we want to hang on to that. Jesus was prayerful. Everything he did was laced with prayer. Uh, He didn't do anything but that he prayed first. And it was always to his father. I mean, the two great sections of Scripture, the Lord's Prayer, which is basically really a teaching. It's not an amulet to wear on your shirt or something like that. It's a teaching on how to pray. Now, if you want a real Lord's Prayer, how he prayed to the Father for us. Read John 17, the whole chapter. That's his prayer. That's the Lord's Prayer. And, and it, it, it's full of his love and concern for his father and us. Oh, my father, he says, I, I just pray. I mean, you can almost see him praying in this thing. And he says, I, you know, I just pray for them, Father, that, that you can be in them like you are in me. And I can be in them like, like it, it, you know, it's all being God, being intimate and being close, being feeling the presence of God and knowing that you've got him in your life. Jesus was prayerful. And you know another thing about Jesus? Do you notice how spontaneous he was? I I mean, uh, uh, Pharisees are around him and there's some woman caught in adultery. And and, uh, and, and, uh, so they said, Jesus, what would you do with this woman? You know, basically is what he's saying. And and, uh, you know what he does? He just stoops down in the sand and he starts writing. Now, what, what kind of an answer is that going to be? Well, let me tell you what he did. Because I want to quote what he looked back. This is how Jesus, by the way, fulfills the, the Old Testament in all so many ways. He came to fulfill it, remember, not to do away with it, but to fulfill it. Listen to what Jeremiah says in uh, chapter 17. Remember the Pharisees are the enemy. They're trying to trap him, trick him, right? He went through that all the time. You talk about pressure. He was alone all the time, even from his disciples. But listen to what he says here. These guys are writing. I mean, he's writing on the ground. These guys are standing around him. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Their names will be written. I don't want my name written in the dust. I don't want to see Jesus, you know, kneeling down and writing. I'm, I want to know that, that my name's written in the book of life, not in a death of sand. You know, I mean, it's interesting. And that, it's a little thing like that, and he's fulfilling the law and the prophets. He does a lot of this kind of thing all through, you see. He was holy. Now, for us, holiness means to be set apart for God's use. He demonstrated that by saying, I'm here to do the will of my Father. That's my work. 
and doing the will of my father is my food. That's how I feed. That's how I feed and sustain myself as a spiritual person. I I, I just pray for my father's will to be done. And the Holy Spirit does it through him. I, I think it's, it's, it's quite amazing. Well, we can pray, be a holy people. I heard that here before. Be a holy people. We're holy people. It doesn't mean you're holy, holy, righteous. No, it means that you're set apart to demonstrate and let God, let His holiness come through you. In fact, it's to let His faith come through you. It's to let His gifts come through you. We are simply vessels who are like light bulbs. Okay? When you let the Holy Spirit, the light goes on. You let Him in, the light goes on. And that's the face of Christ. You see it in the face of Christ. And you see it in the face of Christ when you read the Scripture. When you get these Scriptures that talk about who He is and who He wants to be in your life. Jesus saw people as images of God who could become children of God. That's what it says in the Gospel of John. To those who received him, he gave the power not only to be inheritors of the kingdom of heaven, but to be children of God. And I hope we're children. Matthew, in Matthew it speaks about accepting the kingdom of heaven like a little child. Are you willing to accept God's intimacy in your life? Not only with him, not only a vertical intimacy, but the cross that gives you a horizontal intimacy. That gives you a horizontal relationship and a vertical relationship that we can demonstrate out like this when we have given our lives, our control, the control of our lives to Jesus. He sees in each of us spiritual potential. If we're made in the image of God, you are made to be creative. I was made to be creative. You don't know how I labored over, I, I agonize over these sermon things. I really do agonize. And I find that if I just let go and let the Spirit, you ever, you ever feel the reluctance when you're doing things? I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this or say that. And all the stuff that goes on inside, I'm saying, there goes sin again. And, and, and Jesus, do you know how Jesus just reacted to everything just openly and honestly? I mean, boy, I'd, I'd like to have that. And I discover when I pray and let that happen, He does things. And we can be creative in what we do. I mean, there is ministry waiting to be created by someone right here, right now. There's ministry that is necessary in this neighborhood, in this place, in this time, that Jesus is ready to, to open up through you. Yeah, fear and trembling... Well, give him your fear and trembling. I have to do it every time I stand up here or in, go in a class. And those who are in my Tuesday class have to suffer through me. For, but they know we're all headed to the same place and we're supporting each other. We're, we're praying for each other. We're giving each other the moments of our lives in the Word of God. Because that's where it is, folks, in the Word Jesus is our wisdom. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, The wisdom of Christ is this. Because our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. If you want to know what it means to be right, you let Jesus be right through you. If you want to know what it means to be holy, 
Let, let Jesus show what that meant, his perfection through you. And we're in the process of redemption all the time. You and I are being redeemed day after day after day. Every time we open the word, every time we relate to somebody, we are being redeemed. And that's wisdom, folks. It's only two more hours, I promise. Okay, now, here we go. Focus. Jesus was focused. His focus was his father and his father's will. He never moved, but it was his father that was his, was his object, his goal. His prayer was always about going to the father, getting the father's will. He was the living experience of the father's will at work. I'd like that in me. And you can have that. You can have that. When you accept Jesus Christ, you have God's will in you and working. You know that part where Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man has no place to rest his head in this world? Guess where he wants to rest it? In your heart. That's what he's looking for. He wants to put his head in your heart. I mean, you got you got the King of the Universe, the Creator, wants to make have a room where he lives in you. It's called your heart. He forgives sin. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, you know, it takes a sinner who knows sin to preach about sin. And uh, I'm a sinner. I'll be the first one to tell you that, and I'm not going to specify it this morning. Okay, so here goes. No, I won't. <laughs> but, hey, folks, do we all get it right all the time? Do we, are we perfect? Do we, no. But when we let Jesus act through us, there's our perfection. He's our justification. When we are in faith, we are being justified. When we step out in, in Jesus' name, that's our justification right there. That's what justifies us. His presence acting through us when we let him. And we can let him all the time. When you're in Kmart or you're, well, I guess they're not around too much anymore. But if you're in Walmart or whatever mart you're in, are you spiritually alert? Are you aware of the people that are walking up and down the aisle and the looks they have on their face? The, the gals that wait on you at the checkout? The, the people you run into in the parking lot? I was in uh, St. Augustine on Friday and uh, uh, had to take the car in to get something done. And uh, I sat down next to this lady, and this lady was in a group waiting. And and we got to talking. And um, somehow we got on the Scandinavian thing. I don't know what it was, but she was raised in Sweden. Doesn't speak Swedish, which I thought was interesting. And... Uh, and anyway, we got to talking for about a half an hour. And Jesus came up in the discussion. I didn't bring him up, but he came up through her, and we started talking about him. I probably am never going to see her again. She works in St. Augustine. and and uh, But we shared about 15 minutes of our experience. And I'm saying, that was a spontaneous occurrence. 
Jesus was spontaneous. He was always spiritually alert to the people around him. I'm saying that's what he's made us to be, spiritually alert. Have that Holy Spirit. And wherever it is, you may not, it may go days and you don't have, but, but when you do, you know it. And you know there's that moment when you hesitate and you're a little bit reluctant because, gosh, what are they going to think of me if I share? If I say, they'll say, I'm sorry, I'm Jesus freak or he's, you know, one of those fanatics. Forget that. You have the power of God forever in your life. Just go ahead and say what you're saying. If they don't like it, that's their problem, not yours. Okay. We are images of God in mind and heart. Now, here's the problem. 100% of everything we do is motivated by what you can't see. Whether it's hate or resentment or bitterness or love and kindness and compassion, that those inner things that are going on in your physical body, God gave you a physical body in order to feel spiritually at one with Him, to, to put your, your, your body out there and, and let, it, let it live for Him and crucify the past and live for the future because every next moment is the moment He's calling you to. So now, who do you trust in the atmosphere of the unseen? Someone else's opinion? A religion? No, you've got to trust a person. And the only person who has eternal validity is Jesus Christ, you see. And when we receive Him, we are ready. Okay. Jesus is the focus. How He was focused is the way He's calling us to be focused. And remember, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, that's the way I'm sending you. So everything Jesus is, you are called to be. Don't you love when you worship and you hear the Holy Spirit moving people? You know He's here. Oh, man, I love the sermon that was preached the first ten minutes here. I loved it. Try and get me to speak for ten minutes and you're done. Uh, I I I do want to close with this thought, though. I um, I had a card made up, and um, a couple of you might have one out there, but I call it my spiritual wisdom card, and um, and it's got four letters on the front. It says my wisdom card, and it's four letters: I P F L. Identity, purpose, function, location. Your identity. Remember, I went through the DNA thing. Wasn't that great? Man, I, I can trace my heritage back about a thousand years and all that kind of stuff. That's, that pales in comparison with having an identity in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God, an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven, a younger brother of Jesus Christ, or a younger sister that you may be of Jesus Christ. We have an equality and a love and a care and a compassion, a concern, a kindness that can come only from Him. And it comes, and it doesn't stop here. It, if it stops here, it's, you know, it's like the manna in the wilderness. People tried to hoard it. It'll, it'll just fall and die. But it's, it, we're, we're to flow with it. Okay, that's our identity. We're a child of God. We have a purpose. 
Why are we here? To reflect the glory of God. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. And our function? I put it on the card. We're to be disciples and witnesses, sharing Jesus Christ, acting spiritually in a secular world. That's our function. Spiritual images of God in a secular, godless environment. That's our function. And our location. Now, this is the one that's going to get you. Why do you think he put us in a physical body? Because where we are is what he want, is the place he's using to work. I'm not in Washington, D.C. I'm not in Beijing and China. That's why we send individual bodies to be locally spiritual in those places. We are called to be where our bodies are living. Who's the greatest example of that? Jesus never went more than 20 or so miles away from his home in Nazareth. He was constantly working with people. He'd say, let's go be with people. He says, my, I, my job is to go from town to town and preach and meet people and, and challenge them and, to, and to, to talk about my Father, talk about the Spirit and be the Spirit in their presence. So many times we get so wrapped up in politics and, and moan about the condition of the country. I guess I do too. I mean, I think we all do that to some degree. But... What am I really called to do is to function locally. Identity, purpose, function, location. Okay. Now, on your way out, I want you to get a wisdom card. Dusters are going to hand these out to you as you go out. And it, it, it tells you this. There's a picture of the cross on one side with the letters. I-P-F-L. That's why I'm asking you, what's in your wallet? <laughs> okay? I want you to put in your wallet, your purse, your left-hand pocket, your knapsack. I don't care what you bring. But put it in there, and every once in a while when you're pulling out that bill or the credit card, pick up this card, and it identifies you, who you are. It's the wisdom of Christ, who is your righteousness, your holiness, and your redemption. That's wisdom. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray for a minute. And uh, By the way, if anybody here this morning needs to accept Jesus Christ and live this new spiritual life, you, you come up here and uh, don't wait for anybody. Don't mull it or ponder it. If the Spirit is moving you, you can come up right now and we'll continue the service right around you. This is an informal place, right? I mean, we, we love each other around here. People come up here all the time and they pray and they share and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to receive Jesus Christ. You want to deal with God the Father. We've got people here to pray with you. And all you've got to do is come up here. And, uh, and I'll be glad to pray with you too. And, uh, you know, the Spirit was working this morning. And we just need to release, it, you know, release ourselves and let Him work in us. So if there's anybody here that needs to come up, let's just take a moment now and, and, uh,
and let that. If you need to be filled, you need to have Jesus in your life, lead to have the Holy Spirit to lead your life, give you confidence and wholeness and, and that sense of just being who you are. Thank you, Lord. To as many as received him, he gave them the power to be children of God. You want power in your life. Oh, Lord Jesus, touch the hearts of those who need that power. Who need that sense of confidence. Need that sense of stability and balance. Just fill us now, Lord, even right where we are. Let it be, because we give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor and dominion. You rule, Lord Jesus, you rule. And the people of the Lord said, Amen. Amen.